conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. It's episode 163 with an asterisk because I'm not quite sure if that's accurate. All right, it's Auntie Sarah. So let's cut this shit. Okay, guys, this episode's going to be a little early because uh, the last one was a little bit late. And um, what's that phrase? I always used it with work when I was um, late, which was every day. Uh, I, I'm, um, I'm here late, so I got to leave early. Um, so that's the... <laughs> philosophy of Andy's girls this week. Um, and I'm so excited, uh, about this week's episode, which was a deep dive into pump rules with her holiness, uh, Lara Marie Shane Halls from sex unique podcast, also known as sup. Um, and so we recorded the day before <laughs> Stassi's pregnancy announcement, quote unquote, leaked by Steve Honig, her new, um, publicist. Um, and there's a lot that has happened since. Um, so just to recap, since the recording happened, Stasi and whatever is going on, um, viewership has become louder and louder about um, Jack's being fired. Lance Bass said yesterday that he and Jack's are like parting ways in their like supplement company or shot thing, whatever the fuck it is. That's like named after Jack's. Um, Jackson put out a statement saying that wasn't true. Lance has said another statement that's like, eh, it totally is. Um, and there's a lot that's been going on in part three of the reunion aired, which P.S. I thought was awesome. I laugh my ass off. I thought the um, teaser of what they did with um, 
Jax was hilarious. I actually wept when Dana was talking about her mom and her estranged relationship with her father. Um, There were obviously some complicated moments, I would say. Most certainly Lisa's undying affection for um, apologetic male staffers versus like trying to shame and bury people like Danica, which is not a great look. And also seemingly Lisa's continued interest in being a part of these conversations in a way that feels slightly awkward and manufactured. The thing about the rumors or whatever about Brett, her having an affair with Brett and how that like could hurt her family. Like Lisa's talking, Lisa of all people is talking about this after all that shit with Kyle and Brandy and just everything else that she said about cast members on Beverly Hills. It just fell off. But um, that being said, I thought it was an awesome part three. And, you know, I've heard from a bunch of people who are like, what do you think is going to happen in the future? I'd love to see some sort of pivot to a Tom Tom esque cast, if not a change in title, um, that kind of direction. Uh, there are so many players who are left in the game. Uh, even without and especially without Stassi, Kristen, Brett, and Max. And I'm excited to see where that goes. I'm not giving up on Vanderpump Rules. I think there's still a lot of um, meat there. And I love the Toms. And I'd love to see, you know, what they do with casting for next season. Motherfucking diversity. Hello, people. Hello. It's just so wild. I mean, Lisa said in her faux apology, a.k.a. Shades of Pink, um that her her restaurants are all very diverse and blah 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 and it's like sweetie why aren't we seeing that on tv then so um i think that there can be a nice um new chapter for pump rules um obviously without jackson Brittany, and um and i'm excited to see what happens uh this conversation that we had was so impactful to me and i love lara and i um, continuously mispronounce her name as I do my own. Um, but I love her and I love SUP and I'm excited for you guys to hear that conversation. Just one little note. So at the end of 162, I posed a challenge for AGs. I said, if I hear from X number of you with copies or proof or whatever of a donation in any amount could be 50 cents could be a dollar could be 10 whatever you're comfortable with to a black lives matter based organization i would share with you a stasi story that i've never shared publicly the only people who essentially know about it are those who were in the room where it happened and a lot of you guys motherfucking stepped up to the game and i'm so excited so look forward to that stasi story <laughs> Oh, God, help me. It's just occurring to me now. I get to talk about it um, at the end of this week's episode. And I also want to say this week's episode, and I think a lot of last week's episode were pump rules heavy. And I'm really excited for, um, you know, like talking about New York, talking about Beverly Hills in depth. So look for that on AG 173 or whatever the fuck we'll be on um, the next time (laughs) the episode rolls around. Um, And I just do want to say thank you to all of you who um, uh, sent in contributions and uh, donations. um, And you guys should feel free to continue to do so. And if you want to forward me um, an email, um, proof of donation or whatever I'd love to see it and love to see how much um, the AGs have raised together Um, and I'm so proud of you guys and I'm proud of our amazing sassy community 
speaking of community, I got several audio satchels from AGs in response to their thoughts on the Watch What Happens um, that were focused on Black Lives Matter, the IG Live, Andy stuff. And so look for that in a special Patreon episode, which will be up by the time you listen to this episode. Oh my God, things are so exciting. Um, and I also have a couple Patreon episodes that I'll be rolling out in the next couple days. Um, including uh, an episode that'll be focused on selling Sunset, which I kind of consider the real housewives of um, uh, selling real estate, um, which I did with Steve, my pal Steve, also known as Faces by Bravo. Um, so look forward to that. And I've got some other um, surprises coming soon. And thank you to everyone on Patreon um, for your continued support um, and patience as I edit some of these apps. It's been, as I'm sure you can imagine, and certainly if you follow me on social media, it's been a wild couple weeks. And so I'm excited to circle back and really focus a lot of energy in the apps to come on apps as they're airing. Um, I know I'm one of three people in the world who feel this, but I was actually slightly appreciative that we had two weeks off of new episodes just for my own purposes. Although I'm, I desperately miss Beverly Hills and it's cousin or whatever here in New York. I don't know what to say there. Um, uh, and P.S. guys, mazel tov to Tinsley. I'm so happy for her. Um, and I thought they did a really nice job of giving her um, a, a, a genuine lovely goodbye, um, especially since her castmates did not. Um, so, guys, enjoy this episode. Enjoy this conversation. Heavy and pump rules and extra sass. And uh, that's Stassi story <laughs> coming soon at the end of this ep. Enjoy. I am so excited to have a new guest on the People's People's Quarantine Couch Kiki, none other than like the spiritual goddess of Bravo (laughs) Pods herself, writer, performer, host of a pod portfolio, including Sex in the City, Saving Sex in the City 3, and of course... Sexy Unique podcast, none other than Laura Marie Shane Halls here on the People's People's Couch. Hi. Oh my, oh my God. God. I'm so happy to be here. What an intro. I'm feeling <laughs> blessed and just like gracious, filled with gratitude. And yeah, thank you for having me. Um, can I just say if the Zoom works for Bravo TV with the Pump Rolls reunion, then we are like riding along in style this wonderful moment new york city la fun fusion pods uniting bravo yeah. together it's great i love the zoom has really like democratized entertainment value <laughs> like <laughs> now i'm like we are stars too now because <laughs> we look exactly the same p.s i'm in full hair and makeup in a ball gown and everyone at home is um in full agreement that that is the new reality that we're talking about because oh yeah guys, doing your uh, own glam right for sure doing our own glam much like candy burris tucker we are really taking the quarantine to heart and um, doing our very best. And so I'm ex- so excited to have you on Andy's Girls. And I have to say to the listeners that this was scheduled weeks prior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that you are here today is 
especially remarkable because I don't know if Pump Rules has been in the headlines in the last like 72 hours. Like the total amount of gossip in blogs, outlets, whatever, the cumulative effect of what has happened to this week is like mind boggling. It truly like blows one's mind. So have you been overwhelmed with listeners, fans reaching out, wanting to know your perspective? What's your experience been like? Yeah, I well, the news broke while I was recording an episode of Tough Sicilian Bitches with Carrie O'Donnell. So we had like a live reaction, like all these texts started coming in, like as we were talking kind of about everything that's going on, like in America right now. And then all of a sudden, I get all these texts that Stassi and Kristen were fired. So we were able to like record a live reaction, which I thought was like great timing. Um, Lots of people on social media were like demanding to know what I Mm -hmm. think. And I think it's like an ongoing conversation and processing of not only like the firings, but I think Stassi and Kristen's reaction, what it means for the future of the franchise. I'm kind of like at a a bit of a cynical point right now where I feel like you're in the right show the right show for that I'm like this is like some of the best press Vanderpump Rules has ever gotten in a way Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. this is like they're on the headline like CNN the top story on CNN was about Stassi getting fired I think that all of this kind of just serves to like prop up the Bravo machine at the end of the Mm -hmm. day is where I'm standing at this moment right now as we record. I completely agree with you. And I also think how fascinating it is that this is, in fact, excellent marketing for them, for people to watch the show, watch new um, episodes. The fact that this was announced hours before part two of the reunion aired, I'm sure, was not an accident. And yet their response said Nothing that one would expect at a minimum, nor has any response on their part relating to addressing areas of racism or racist behavior um, on and off these shows. For example, they announced that Stassi, Kristen, Brett and Max would not be returning. They never explicitly said they were fired. And they never in any press release that I've read from the variety piece that Kate Arthur did and everywhere else, I've never seen them actually use the language they were fired. And I've never seen them use the language they were let go because. Mm -hmm. And that is genuinely concerning to me. And if you look at the reaction of a lot of Bravo fans, they're reading headlines that have been written by someone else covering what's happened. So when you see Stassi and Kristen fired, that was never language that Bravo themselves put out. And something that I think is really powerful and important to hear is when like Candace from Potomac is saying on social media repeatedly, Um, And calling them out, understandably, and saying, listen, it's not enough for people to lose their jobs in this context if you're not saying why. Like, Mm -hmm. you have the power of using your platform and saying this kind of behavior will not be tolerated. And when the cast of, like, some show on MTV fires some, I don't even remember their names, like the reality. Some rando, yeah. Someone, like, (laughs) kids having babies, like... 
they said like this person is being fired for this reason. We do not stand or condone racism. Bravo to this day have not said a single thing. We're recording Friday afternoon. So if for some magical reason they decide to provide a reason or uh, more impassioned response uh, four days after, would love to see it. But until now, you know, are they really even holding these people to account? Yeah, I mean, I where does it like why is the line now drawn at you've let these four people go and then what does that mean for all the other people that have done racist shit on bravo tv shows like it seems like i know that maybe jack's like yes he's tweeted about faith and said tweeted the same sentiments that i think stassi and kristen more explicitly said and obviously like they took an action against her which they talked Mm -hmm. about publicly but like by that standard wouldn't you think that Jax would also be let go or Jax and Brittany would also be booted I mean that's a really interesting question which I think thousands of people are wondering right now they're wondering it about Jax or wondering it about according to Billy Lee um transphobic behavior that he exhibited um during filming and off they're talking about it with Lala, who I actually up to this point enjoyed, who said that in some um, media reports that have come out that she used to uh, put things in plain sight in her home to see if there was a chance that Faith would steal them. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not none great. of it's Where's looking the line? good. None of it's looking good. And alternatively, you know, people are saying as a way to defend Stassi and Kristen and, you know, the two others who no one cares about. As a way to defend Stassi and Kristen, they're saying, listen, you cannot fire people for exhibiting racist behavior. If you did that, then there you wouldn't have a show. And my thought is like, okay, cool. Like, yeah. start Tom Tom. Do a spinoff. Do something else. I think else. that they could do a spinoff or I think that, and I think that they will pivot to something else. This, mm-hmm. the more distance we have from like the news of the firing, the more it really does seem like Bravo's just scrambling to save their own ass. And like, unfortunately I think the history and of Vanderpump rules is that it is a very misogynistic environment. Like Mm -hmm. I really think that Stassi and Kristen, while their actions were like inexcusable, they're taking the fall for a host of other people that are trying mm-hmm. to issue being held accountable. And that's, mm-hmm. what's like frustrating. Cause I feel like this goes up the chain to like network executives. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't just, it's not just like, Oh, Stassi and Kristen were the big problem and now we're all good. You know what I mean? Well, I think you, there's a, something to be said about that. I think it's, it is really interesting that they are both, uh, Bravo is both absolving itself of responsibility and saying, look at who look, here we are holding people to account and neither is in and of itself particularly true. And I, you're sort of hanging people out to dry, but not really. They hung themselves out to dry. They absolutely did. But, but the whole, I mean, and their, their uh, apologies, neither of whom actually contacted faith. They were released at the same time, ghostwritten by somebody at Bravo HQ Kristen, um, Kristen contacted Faith after the fact. I think Bravo. Put oh yeah, them, you're right. You're right. 
Bravo put them on immediate gag orders. Like mm-hmm. as soon as that news broke, Bravo said, you are not allowed to use any social media. You're not to speak to faith. Like you're not to do anything until we give you permission to even make a statement. So they were banned from even making a statement for like three or four days. Oh, really? Yeah, they were not. It was like everyone went into like crisis management from the jump and it was I think like wait and see how if this will blow over or or like if it needs to be further addressed or we need to figure out what to do so they weren't allowed to even like put anything into the universe until they got a go ahead from the network and and so then they put statements out I think at the same time to Mm -hmm. I guess like so that one person wouldn't look better than the other in right. the apology. And then I guess Kristen broke the gag order to reach out to Faith and then reached out to Faith like offline to apologize. And uh, did you see the stuff that Stassi's mom did after the announcement went out? She yeah, had like Dana needs to just video. like Dana, <laughs> take Dana's a fucking out chill of pill. Yeah, <laughs> Dana. <laughs> This is, like, going to send Dana right back to the bottle. She's, like, pouring herself double tequila shots and just, like, going off the fucking rails. Nikolai, like, he should know better at this point than to get involved in this. Like, he's like, I'm just a kid. I was like, last I checked, you're, like, 19 years old or something. Like, you're too, like, leave Nikolai out of this. Like, excuse him from the conversation. He has no place to weigh in. I don't think he did it of his own volition, which is actually worse, I think, than yeah. him making a bad choice. I think his mother was like, you're going to fucking defend your sister. This is all on you to um, get her job back, which is a terrible position to put a child in regardless of their age. And he's Horrific. someone that we've seen like grow up on the show. Um, and then she started an Instagram handle. <laughs> Called like stand up for Stassi. That's like ways people have been sending me screenshots of like they've Mm -hmm. infiltrated like Stassi's Facebook groups and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they're Mm -hmm. sending screenshots of like the Khaleesi's like spinning out some. They recently I think they all were getting together and they were like going to send Stassi like a gift bag or some like show of support. But they the best thing is that they don't know her address. So they're pooling. I kid you not. They're pooling their money to like buy Stassi all these gifts. A literal millionaire they're trying to buy these presents for. They're like, we're going to buy her these flowers and a cozy, delicious, Nordy blanket. And I was like, what the fuck is a Nordy blanket? And I realized it's a blanket from Nordstrom. And then I was like, I have actually bad chills, like even having to utter the words, (laughs) a delicious Nordy blanket. But so they don't know her address, but they're buying these things and they're hoping that someone in another group has Stassi's address so they can send it to her. And even there are people that were like, can we wait until please can we wait until Friday when I get my paycheck so I can contribute to the pool? And I'm just like, you guys, like this is very misguided and like just don't. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's very. But all that is to say, I don't think that this is like, I don't think this is negatively affecting Stassi in the long term. Like her fans are fucking diehards that will obviously buy her delicious Nordy blankets. So like, what? Like, I'm <laughs> people that are like, oh, her life is ruined. Oh my god! It's like no. I think you can't in this day and age. You can't 
like no scandal really buries you anymore. It's just all part of the entertainment news cycle. I would agree, except her celebrity, she wasn't able to step out like a few select Bravo celebrities have. I would think Bethany is one of the largest examples of mm-hmm. someone who used Bravo as a platform to expand. Stasi was definitely in that transition. Bravo had her do that like online web series. She had her tour. She had her podcast. She had the show itself um, and her social media was thriving and it all kind of got taken away in a 24 hour period of time for what one would think was the worst possible reason. So even if her core Khaleesi's still stand united, that wasn't her fan base in its entirety. I would think it was like sort of split. Like there were pump rules fans, people that liked her because of like outfit of the day, whatever the fuck. Her book, her pod, whatever, um, and and genuine um, Bravoholics. And then there was that core group of, like, super, super fan where Stassi being hurt hurts them. Like, it actually, like, gives them pain to their core. Mm-hmm. And I think for Stassi, if you lose all those money makers, like, the things that are actually helping you and cutting you a check, plus you're losing, I would think, a large part of her fan base, which is just turning away. I don't um, think it is, though. I think her... No, I think her Instagram followers have gone up. It's not like she's losing. Shut you know what up, I mean? It has. Yeah, it's not this kind of Ugh. stuff. This breeds more. It breeds more attention. Like I and I have to admit, like I'm part of the problem. Like I'm want to know what the fuck she's gonna say next. I don't follow her, but like I still am like checking news. Like I'm intrigued by headlines. Like. I I'm on the edge of my seat as an audience member to the Mm -hmm. scandal. So I don't, I just don't think that this kind of controversy TBD on Kristen, because I think of her as a very different case than Stassi. Yeah. And I, while Stassi's like profile has definitely been hurt, like as like an influencer, like a person to kind of like look up to, I don't think that it's hurting her like long term how do you think it's hurting fan interest if at all on watching pump rules um it's hard to say I think the fans are so split like Mm -hmm. you have people like you and me that Mm -hmm. are like sane for the most part and see (laughs) (laughs) I can't claim I can't claim like full sanity but I'd say for the most part like we we know what the fuck is going on Mm -hmm. who like watched the show knowing that we're watching trash Mm -hmm. and then you have people that watch the show who are thinking like goals so it will be interesting to see where it all shakes out I would argue that the show the interest and the ratings will spike way up because everyone's going to want to know how the fuck they handle like this whole transition period. And I don't know about the demographics for pump rules, but I know the vibe of pump rules and it is very, very different than seemingly any other show inside the Bravo canon where it is truly like, and I mean this as a compliment, like trash TV. Like these are overwhelmingly garbage people. 
and that's kind of great. And it's like you watch them battle each other. They they start the reason that the show popped from the start was because this was genuinely a core group of people who dated each other, slept at each other, uh, slept with each other, fought with each other, and cheated. And so we're not looking at like God's gift to moral grace. There no. is obviously a a line that they have stepped over repeatedly, and that production hasn't addressed. But overall, it's not like the kind of escapism of Real Housewives or another one of another franchise within Bravo where there's something um, that one can aspire. These are people where you can watch them and to a certain extent you can kind of feel like, okay, great. At least I'm not that bad. Yeah, no, it's like, it's very much holding. It holds up a mirror. I think not only to like society and culture, but it also provides like an outlet for being like, okay, well I'm not as bad as these people. And so that's where it kind of gets weird like hold and I think that's why the last two seasons were in my opinion they were so bad is because there was a tonal shift trying to like basically say like oh no these they're actually like these people are good and like look at them get married and like don't you just love it for them and don't you love life for them and their houses and like their parties and it's like no, that we never signed up for that. I signed up to see like the worst side of these people. That's what the whole show is predicated on. And I don't want to be fed just like propaganda lies that I know at, when it's all said and done are not true. And how did you first become particularly interested in pump rules of all of the shows in Bravo. I know that your work has expanded outside of the Vanderpump rules kingdom, but when did that actually start? Were you an OG of the VPR? I was pretty OG. Like I remember I watched the backdoor pilot and I -hmm. thought that it was going to be very similar to housewives Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I was immediately turned off by it. And then also, and it's such a good rewatch. Like I think everyone should go back and watch that because there's nothing more cringe than like Tom (laughs) Sandoval saying he wants to be like the next Michael Jackson. It's like true delusional hours that I was not ready for. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I actually can't ever watch this show again. Like it makes me physically uncomfortable. (laughs) Then I'd say like three weeks later, I was brutally hungover. I'd drawn Mm -hmm. the blinds. I'd ordered a pizza and Vanderpump Rules was like um, there was like a marathon of the first four or five episodes on TV and I just sat with it and I realized I was like wow like I feel like shit today but at least my life is not what these people the life that these people are living so like that sucked me in and then I was like these people are true like I could watch these people be psychotic like day and night and it's all I want to talk about and it's like it was just like an all-consuming also living in LA I feel like you see those kinds of people around a lot Mm -hmm. and it's such so not a circle that I like matriculate in so it was Mm -hmm. like a docu-series in the way that I was like oh these are like the psychotic people that I see in like workout classes or like Mm -hmm. walking down the streets of West Hollywood and I'm like what are you about where do you live what do you do for a little like (laughs) so it was like an anthropological discovery. (laughs) And have you ever had like a favorite of the cast who maybe hasn't made the best decisions, but you yourself find yourself like charmed? I was really, I was really into Dodie and I still Mm. like, 
I still crave her mm-hmm. like extremely borderline energy. Like mm-hmm. I just, I like, I appreciated that she just goes like balls to the wall, like mm-hmm. Dodie style on when it comes to anything that she does. And I think witnessing her just like continual self-destructive tendencies was like fascinating, but I also kind of identified with that somewhat. Mm -hmm. Um, And she just gives good facial expressions and she's so reactive (laughs) and such a loose cannon that I was like, Mm -hmm. I love it. I, I think have always loved Sheena because Sheena Mm -hmm. exists in truly her own world. And like, is just Sheena 24 seven. So she's just also really entertaining to watch. I think, you know, my allegiances and alliances have like shifted over the years. It's like ever changing, but I can, I mean, I can find like good and bad qualities in all of them. Jack's less so at mine. just flip flop between like, he's either hot and I want to fuck him in this scene or I really am repelled by him. Like it was like a total up and down. Yeah. Yeah, currently repelled, but there are moments where I'm like, damn. And I think that that's kind of the draw of Jax Taylor. It's like, no matter how, I mean, and it's been his trajectory on the show, no matter how abhorrent his actions are, he still bounces back and there are still slivers in time where you're like, I'd fuck him. And what do you think about Brittany joining the show, her relationship with Jax, her relationship with celebrity. I think Brittany has been, we've watched her get sucked into a world that she had no business being in and has mm-hmm. now gotten dragged exactly down to Jax's level. Mm-hmm. Because she, you see her at first and it's like, she is like innocent and seemingly kind hearted and like seems like a genuine sweetie and now there's like a hardness to her like not only it's like also shocking like not only did she just enter this show and like uproot her entire life move to the west coast to room with Jackson in his studio but she's like he's like molded her into the kind of woman he wants her to be like at, but and actually like physically has like altered her body you know what I mean? Like paying yeah. for a breast implant. Like, and we see now this kind of like, it's almost like body horror or something like that. Like where she is now versus where she was when she first got on the scene. And I don't, I'm not, I'm that comes off wrong. That's not like a judgment on her actual body, but I'm just like what she manifests and her energy and how mm-hmm. she presents like is very horrific to me. Yeah, I think it's like looking at her exterior by which you mean you're really examining her soul. Yeah. Like like, the way that she presents herself as a human person now versus the way she was then. Yeah, the way she carries herself and just her physicality and her facial expressions. And like there's just there's been such a shift in just in, in just like the energy that she presents. Um, And I agree with you. And I felt this is a really terrible comparison. So God bless. But, you know, I remember in early days with Phaedra, I was kind of like team Phaedra. And certainly Mm -hmm. when Apollo was sentenced to prison and everything during that time, I felt myself sympathizing with her. 
And I did the same with Brittany a little bit in the sense that she was with a partner that I felt like didn't deserve her. And so I felt a lot of pity or empathy. And then I was reminded by several people in both cases, the level of complicity that surely exists in even partnering with someone when you realize who they truly are. Like there had to be some version of the Britney we see now in the Britney we saw then, because why on earth would she have started data jacks to begin with? You know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, I don't think Britney does a lot of soul searching or self-examination mm-hmm. because Amen. if she did, I don't think that she would be in this situation. And I feel like she's entered or entered this relationship on a very surface level of like, wow, I'm like charmed by this guy. I think he's the hottest guy I've ever seen on TV. Like he's accessible. Like he's in Vegas. Let's go meet him. Like I Mm want to be with him. And then has remained kind of in that sphere and never dropped like down lower to examine, like, is this a good relationship for me? How does this relationship make me feel like what is this relationship bringing to the surface of my own issues and trauma? And like, how does this reflect, like, how is this reflecting those and asking those kinds of questions? I feel like, or going to therapy for an extended period Mm -hmm. of time, or even like opening up a journal and maybe like free writing a couple pages. I think it would be clear, like, this is not the person for you, or this is dragging me down or hurting my spirit. And so her willingness to just like I think she's really only she's willingly staying in like a blind kind of blind love Mm -hmm. and you can love someone and they still cannot be the right person for you and you can still have those feelings for them maybe forever but it doesn't mean you have to be with them and I don't think she understands that I mean, and love means you do have to say you're sorry. You know, like love means doesn't mean that you take this like blind defense and you're always on that person's side because you said I do. Love means if your partner is acting like an asshole, you need to tell them as much because you're kind of stuck with them for however long. And don't you want to be with like the don't you want to be the best version of yourself for them and vice versa? So watching her do the exact opposite of that. And just start to feed off of Jax's energy for herself, especially when I was watching, you know, part one and two of the reunion was, I would say, relatively frustrating to see. Yeah. And I think also it's like she I don't think there she cannot ever be the best version of herself in this relationship because Mm -hmm. the version of herself that she has to be in order to just keep Jax around is like muted, silent, complicit, defensive. And I think you see that also in like her actions, like a person that comes home, I'm sorry, and like pours themselves like shots of tequila and is Mm -hmm. like actively drinking through some sort of like bowel or stomach issue after like multiple dot like there's something her behavior is the behavior of someone that is just trying to like run from something Mm -hmm. or not face the actual truth of the matter and is also someone who's relatively self-destructive yeah very self-destructive but I think also the fame element in the show really 
twist that even more because it's mm-hmm. like it gives you if you have a bunch of fans being like we fucking love you like blah 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 blah, blah and those are in your ear and you're having all this attention uh, that can skew your perception as well plus she's with like an extreme manipulator mm-hmm and I mean, she does, it is her responsibility to get out of that relationship if it's not mm-hmm. right. But when you're not facing, when you're not dropping down into like your real issues and real shit and really being like brutally honest with yourself, you're going to be very easily manipulated because you're only living in like, you're not living your truth. I completely agree. And I also think, you know, I was in a situation that I, extricated myself from sort of um being with someone who was like a like by the book narcissist where they were so explosive and so selfish and so apathetic that when I got that person to calm down I almost got a little bit of a high from it like where I was like okay great you're calm you know Mm -hmm. like where I agree I apologize I whatever whatever you're trying to say whatever frustration you're feeling I got you to calm down by like sacrificing myself and you almost get like a little bit of a high from that where you feel happy that they seem on the outside to be momentarily okay and I wonder how much of that plays into her personality off camera and on where she's just in a role where she thinks it is her job to keep him stable and when he is whether it's for two minutes or an episode she feels good which is horrible yeah when you equate another person's behavior or actions with your own self-worth like you're in fucking trouble (laughs) period 100 percent. so Speaking of trouble, what did you think of part one and two of the reunion? The Zoom scenario? Um, part, they both feel, part one was really, I can't even remember like what mm-hmm. happened in part one. Yeah. I thought it was kind of boring. It just felt like it lasted forever. And then part mm-hmm. two felt more exciting. But I think that might have also just been because the news of the firings right. broke earlier that day. And so to watch through that lens felt exciting um it's like I both I want I'm finding myself at a crossroads with Vanderpump Rules where I like am chasing the dragon of that old high it used to get me Mm -hmm. like I want more than it's able to give at the moment and have felt that way for like two years so there's just like there's not a lot of excitement anymore when it comes to it like it takes like actual like huge shakeup kind of news cycle excitement to get me like really into it. It feels a little bit like Vanderpump Rules doesn't live here anymore. We're Mm -hmm. watching something else. I mean, I agree with you about part one versus part two. With part two, I did feel a different kind of energy and there was stuff going on, but it was buffered by truly like the what the fuck of it all, where Andy is placing just as much importance and interest on Max and Kristen fucking as he is on Max and Brett's strange quasi mea culpa for saying incredibly, incredibly racist things online. Mm-hmm. And then juxtapose that with LVP equating racist behavior with like juvenile mistakes. It felt 
So there was like moments where I was watching it. And I was like, okay, this is actually like genuinely there's some like good TV moments, certainly better than in the first episode. And then other parts where I'm just being reminded of the continuation of problems that uh, exists when watching this particular show, which can be emblematic of others, but just inside its own universe is kind of super fucked up. Like the fact that they didn't have any kind of like Stasi and Kristen and Brad and Max have been like fired or blah, blah, blah at the beginning of the episode or in any marketing or anything mm-hmm. online. We're just pretending this is business as usual, knowing that maybe they feel like they don't have to do that work because it's being done by them, uh, being done for them by so many different press outlets. But it made me feel a little bit of whiplash watching the episode because I didn't know what it was that I was experiencing. I know. And I feel like that is a calculated move on Bravo's part to like see how the ratings do like after like it's like mm-hmm. we'll release it in the morning. That episode's coming out that night. We'll see how mm-hmm. the ratings do, what the reaction is. And then we'll like go from there because they could add something to next week's like reunion episode. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Um, But I feel like Bravo's definitely trying to like play it as safe as possible in hopes that they actually don't come off as like bad as a network. And while Andy has gone on radio Andy to say explicitly, I'm not a a producer of, of pump rules. LVP is not in that position. She can't say she's not a part of the uh, day to day mechanisms of the show, or at least something that she has said that she is very involved with in the past. I mean, she does have an, isn't she an executive producer on pump rules? Is it producer or executive producer? I think it's EP. Probably. Yeah. EP. I mean, Lisa, Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Lisa has ever taken responsibility for any time that she's ever been called out for something ever. Well, when people say, Lisa, you're the best housewife of all time, I think she does probably um, uh, process that and say, yes, I agree. <laughs> but when it comes to like, hold yeah, on like only, yeah, yeah, but only that. But like, no, like she's never one to be like, I made a mistake or like be really honest. And I think we saw that obviously last season on housewives of Beverly Hills, where Mm -hmm. she was like full blown caught in like a lie or a manipulation Mm -hmm. of some sort. And like, instead of just copping to it and being like, yeah, like I did do this and I'm sorry or owning it. She just like ran away. And I think that that is exactly what she's doing right now, where she's trying to claim like, I had no idea it was like this and I never like it's like <laughs> who do the fuck do you think you're fooling at this point apparently a lot of people I mean I guess like unfortunately yeah a lot of people but you're not fucking fooling me I've got your number I've had her number <laughs> we have her fucking number <laughs> I'm like you need to be honest because that's not cool <laughs> What did you think reading her apology, aside from the fact that it was less an apology and more like a LinkedIn, where remember just, all those things I did when I was at the parade and also dogs and it's pretty I epic. roll. I roll. All those, her participation in Pride is like from a pure marketing standpoint. She found mm-hmm. like an audience that she knows can make her money. It's like she panders to the people that, you know, pay for the house. 
I thought it was really interesting when Andy was, and I think correctly so, mazel tubbing the Toms for doing that cameo fundraiser to support their staff. And he's like, you did 50K. And then you, you know, you raised 50K to support because even if they're on unemployment, obviously they could still use a check, like especially if they're on unemployment, they yeah. could use financial support. So you have two guys who have five percent of ownership in this restaurant take it upon themselves to raise fifty thousand dollars which is not a small amount of money which they absolutely deserve to be um thanked for and then you go to lisa who's only um reasoning about how uh corona and everything else has affected uh her restaurants is purely only about her it's only about the fact that the restaurants have closed she mentions that her staff is on unemployment and this is a woman who would publicize the shit out of writing a check and to my knowledge has not given a single cent to has not given a cent to at all closed the restaurants has not been in touch with staff like i think said publicly in an interview being like i've been in touch with staff at blah 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 and i know for a fact there was no like that was just press a press opportunity for her she was not in touch with staff about like reopening or anything and so it's very strange to see a woman who is like reportedly worth, you know, tens of millions of dollars who cares so much about her employees that she would like put them on a show and try and shepherd their careers and like just totally absolve herself of any financial responsibility when it comes to their well-being during a global pandemic. Like that is just like that's fucked up. It's fucked up that the onus would be put on Tom and Tom. Not that I don't, I don't think that she told them to do it. I think that they're probably like, Hey, we should do this for our employees because they probably understand having a background actually working in these restaurants were sir to close during times when they were like down and out and just like servers. If they lost their job for like three months, they would need someone to come through with a check for them. So I think that that was like, kind of it was definitely like a cool move on their part to take on that responsibility but it I should mean, not have been their responsibility to take right on. they should have helped out because they're good guys who did ultimately but that should have I mean if they have five percent of that fucking business where is the other where's the vast majority of it like where is Lisa she could have done five hundred dollar cameos and done however many she want 10 or 20 would have taken her maybe a couple hours and she could have gotten it done and raised a shitload of cash and she just didn't want to for whatever reason which to me is like so bad for business but maybe people don't actually care they truly believe what it is she's telling them which is this is a very sad time um thoughts and prayers you know villa blanca blah 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 yeah i think a lot of people just take the show at face value and don't like give it much deep thought or anything i'm sorry but like 50k for Lisa, like that's a tax write-off at the end of the right. day. Like there's no reason not to do it if you have the resources to do it. You could either raise it and then make other people pay or you could just write a check and then you take it off your fucking taxes at the end. Like I'm not like a tax expert, but I, I fucking know that. So I don't get like why I don't get it. And to not be... This, like, image of Lisa as this, like, benevolent mother figure is just, like, such bullshit, such a scheme. 
And I think she's like a grand calculator and she's a string puller and she knows every single thing that's happening. How do you think that her role on Pump Rules should transition or change, if at all? I would love to see way less of her Mm -hmm. on Vanderpump Rules. Like I could go without any Lisa at all. But if you have to have her in the mix, it's like maybe she hosts a photo shoot at her house or maybe like she has a party that they all have to like work at or something like that. Like I don't like seeing her as a cast member on this show to have her come in and like be dealing like why also it's like, why do you care? You're like a 59 year old woman, like sitting in your mansion at the top of a hill. Like you don't care about like Max, who Max is fucking and who he isn't fucking. Meanwhile, Max got fired from the show, but still works or still kept his job on Tom Tom. Allegedly, he's like still gainfully employed as a manager there, Mm -hmm. which I feel like I guess is an example of her either believing her own schlock about like everybody makes mistakes or is her way of saying it wasn't really my decision that he should be let go from the show itself. I don't know. Yeah, I think probably it's a little bit of both. I don't, mm-hmm. I think brought the network probably makes the ultimate call and then it's either Lisa has to like get on board or get over it. I wonder if she's like stressed out about the show potentially even getting canceled. Do you think that that's a possibility? Mm, I think it could be, but I feel like with all the press and stuff, like I don't, I think that they'll, probably try and do one more season just to see like how it goes with a restructure and like new cast members and see like what they can get out of it because it is like an eight season long franchise that's like a successful property for Bravo so I, I feel like and I feel like at the end of the day networks care mostly about money advertisers and like the audience so it would be not in the network's best interest, just from a bottom line perspective to cancel it. How do you feel about having a show that covers a lot of different aspects of reality TV, but is also in and of itself focused quite a bit on Vanderpump Rules? How does that, how does everything that's happened and watching Bravo's reaction or lack thereof or whatever affect the kind of conversations that you want to have? about Bravo TV, about Pump Rules, about everything else? Um, I like, like, I, my, I, my, a huge regret is that, like, the, with COVID, like, the cameras weren't rolling when everyone got fired. You know what I mean? Like, it would Mm -hmm. be, I feel like what worked so well about Vanderpump for the first six seasons was, like, how authentic everyone Mm -hmm. was. Like, Mm -hmm. it was, like, Mm -hmm. people, I didn't feel like people had, like, silence pacts with each other of like we're not going to talk about this or like you can't bring parents into the conversation or like I like that they just like kind of let it all fly so Mm -hmm. I would hope that we could get back to that level and I think that once you get Stassi and Kristen out of the equation you're evening the playing field between like OGs and new cast members and Mm -hmm. like especially if you force them all to film together there's just going to be explosions and that's like what the show does best that's what I want to see like I don't want to see I never signed up for a show where 
all these people get like happily ever afters. Mm -hmm. Like the people that I root for the most are probably Tom and Ariana because they do seem angels on earth. Yeah. They seem like they get it, but they also like, they also play the game to some extent, at least Sandoval does. And like, I don't know, there's something very like likable about them. Um, so like I want them to be like happy and stuff, but they're untradi- they're non-traditional in their relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're going to be subjected to some like heteronormative like wedding lame special. wedding. Right. Yeah. It's like I don't fucking want to see that. By all means, go get married, do whatever you need to do, but like keep it off of my television screen or if it's going to be on, keep it to a minimum. Like I don't give a shit. Unless it's like even Tom and Katie's wedding was like okay like Katie's just being a monster that was kind of fun and like to see their relationship dynamic but at the end of the day like I don't care that they are getting married what have your interactions been like with Bravo Labs IRL IRL well like when I first started podcasting about them I had a different podcast called pumped podcast and so I was doing that with two other co-hosts And they had just recently moved to L.A. when we started podcasting. And I'd been around here for probably like seven-ish years at that point. And we had most of the cast on the pod over the course of our time doing it. Like we would have like funny guests and stuff. But then we also would have the cast on. And they because also at the time they were really accessible. Like they weren't Mm -hmm. super famous yet or known. Mm -hmm. Um. And it was fine, like, but I realized over the course of podcasting that I didn't really care to hear their side of the story. Like, I actually just way more preferred to, like, watch the show and talk about it. And then and then it also just felt weird for me. It's like, I would I want to talk about these people, but it feels mm-hmm. very duplicitous to then also be like, now I'm going to have them on. I'm, I'm not the kind of person that's going to be, like, outwardly rude to their face or, like, say the same shit that I would say about them like on the show so that felt weird and like a disconnect and so I was like I'd rather just watch the show and comment on it plus I kind of find them to be boring IRL like I don't really care about the minutiae of their day-to-day lives or like the I don't want to get to the bottom of like whatever beef they were having really with each other at the end of the day you know what I mean I completely agree with you and feel the same in the sense that it's a much more interesting to me to have a conversation about like the motivations behind why these people did the the things that they did with somebody else who may have a completely different view than I had, but is at least willing to get into the dirt versus someone who's representing an empire who's probably thinking to myself, I don't want to say anything that's like dropping plot if the show is in season and I don't want anything that could accept my fan base and oh my god I have SpawnCon coming out tomorrow and I don't want to hurt that where they have a lot more riding on them than they did at the beginning of the series when they were probably really happy to shoot the shit now it's like who am I representing when I have this kind of dialogue? I see that with housewives too. It really kind of depends. It's very, very person specific when Mm -hmm. you look at like, who are they and to Bravo kind of like, what do they represent? Yeah. And I think they also, even back in the day, it's like they had a lot of things that they weren't allowed to say or comment on. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you're going to get a very skewed version of the truth. So it becomes way more fun to talk about, as you said, the motivations behind their actions with like another viewer. 
Um, so, and then also my co-hosts at the time became like very, like they were very like enamored with the cast members and excited yeah. to have them in their lives and be like in yeah. their circle. And that became like more important for them than actually like podcasting or talking about them. So then that skewed their perception. So then it was like, it went from a podcast where we're on the same page, like about the show to being, and I don't, I don't need to be on the same page, you know, with everyone about everything, but I mm -hmm. also need us to both agree. Like what we're watching is like, we know what we're watching and we know mm -hmm. like what's going on. And then it turned into like, they would really defend cast members or like they wouldn't talk about certain ones. Or if I said something like they would get really defensive with me and I was like, well, this is not so fun anymore. <laughs> like, and, and it just, it all came to a head on its own way. I mean, they got like, they got Jackson, Brittany and Katie and Tom, you know, that apartment building that they were living in. That was yeah. my co-host. That's where they were living first. They no. got them. Yes. Like they fully like worked their way into the group. Like our, like I see my ex co-host in like the background of scenes now on the show. Like, fully, Oh, so that's it was continued. Like, oh, it's, it's fully continued. It was like a full, Submerge. It was like I watched someone get sucked into that world and was just like, excuse me, like, hello. And then it was just like gone. So it was a very Vanderpumpian thing to happen in its own way where it's just like, these are your heroes. Like, this is what you want for your life. Like, I just didn't see you as that type of person, but I guess that you are. And like, I get, and that's where we really differ. Um, as people with like where our long-term goals and the way we see the world. So it was for the best, I think, but it was a wild experience to be like watching all that play out and then like seeing how it's continued to play out. Have they reached out to you with sexy unique podcast, which is really, truly it's like, you know, uh, a list style Bravo pod. They no, they haven't. I mean that we podcasted together the last episode we ever did was like we ended up having an oh. argument on that episode because I was saying it was like they were taking and it's very representative of the like group think element of a lot of the like OG cast members is like it was during season five of Vanderpump Rules mm -hmm. and they were talking a lot of shit on Lala and then I was like I was like, why are you so mad at Lala? Like, wh like, why aren't you holding Jax accountable? Like, he literally was trying, like, he was saying to her, like, how he wanted to fuck her, like, all this right. stuff. Like, what the hell? And then we got into this, like, very meta argument where I was like, we are now having arguments that the cast of Vanderpump Rules has, like, oh my on God. their behalf. And I was like, I don't like this. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to, like, argue with people or have drama about this. Like, I'm here to, like, pick it apart, laugh, make fun of it and like move on with my life. And so I didn't think that that argument would get put onto the air because I just am like, that's not what this podcast is about. And I was like going to have a conversation with my co-host and be like, let's edit that out and just have like, have the episode be out and we'll call it a day and like go our separate ways because this is no longer fun. And it was back when we were, we were doing it for free to like a pretty small audience. So it was like no mm -hmm. harm, no foul. And then he posted that episode 
And then it actually like it actually made it onto like Reddit boards and stuff because it was like and it and it gave it like a huge boost in listenership. And so that's when wow. I stopped and started my own podcast. So then it actually worked out well because he lost his shit. Like, I mean, he was like truly it was like you're like you've done a 180 from where this podcast started to now your perspective. And like it just it made him it made him look really bad. And he came across just like kind of a loose cannon and then it actually boosted my listenership. So it all worked out for the best, but it's been a <laughs> fucking, I've had I've been on a fucking journey with Vanderpump rules. Like I've seen it. I've flown too close to the sun. I've decided like, <laughs> it's not for me. I'm very friendly with like Ariana and like mm-hmm. sometimes we'll see her and Sandoval out at like events and stuff. But mm-hmm. I also just like to maintain a bit of a distance. I think distance is really important. I've seen people kind of do that too close for the sun and, oh, look, they're like burning hot. And I don't think that that's a good idea. But I also think that's like less a podcast problem, which it is, and more like a personality thing where some people, they watch the show because they love watching the show. They love escapism. And other people think that the best case scenario is being directly inside it. And I've never Mm -hmm. completely understood that. Like, I like a little bit of a... (laughs) I like, I like a yard space. or something. Yeah. A little bit of space. Because I think that's also keeping us honest at the mm-hmm. end of the day, which is what people listen for. You know? Yeah. And especially, I think, with Vanderpump Rules, like, I want a lot of space. Like, I don't want to be... Like, I feel like I saw... It, the drama on the show that you were seeing was very much, like, the drama, like, very mm-hmm. reflective of these people's lives. And I'm just like, I love to watch it. I don't love to live that way. Like, that's just like not my preferred mode of living in this world. So like, that's fine. That being said, like I love summer house and like would love to be in the summer house. Yeah. Like (laughs) I'm like, I'm ready to fly close to that sun. Can I tell you, I had Hannah Burner on Andy's girls before Corona and we just shot the shit after recording to the extent that my roommate came in and was like oh hey how are you and thought it was just like a friend from wherever because <laughs> she states that we just like hung out she is she is that like exception to the rule but yeah. the difference is I'm not I don't have fun with her because she's on the show which yeah. is a little bit of a change it's it's like this is an actual enjoyable person who makes me laugh mm-hmm. and that is like kind of an exception to the rule to me but it's still not like the same rule there's still a difference there you know and I think Summer House is such a different show to Pump Rules and maybe it's kind of like not the replacement but the energizer for us for those of us myself included who feel the way you do that the last couple seasons have felt stale but also wrong for VPR and that there is some sort of change that needs to be taken that needs to take place that is separate from these firings aka lettings go And you can look at Summer House, which is built on similar energy. Like, these are not exactly like God's... Like, Kyle is not exactly (laughs) Prince Charming. I mean, Kyle and Amanda might be the new Brittany and Jack. Yeah. But you look at that and you're like, okay, well, here's at least fresh energy that reminds me of this show that's still on TV that needs a little bit of a reminder itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a perfect complement to, like, the darkness of Vanderpump Rules... Um, Summer House feels like true escapist, like fantasy land show. 
what's your favorite Bravo show to watch? Like right now, not right now as in it has to be on air, but like, is there a franchise that you genuinely for yourself, not necessarily to talk about on a pod, but just really like instinctively is your favorite show that makes you smile? Probably Beverly Hills. I've mm-hmm. always like, I've liked it. I did. There was a point where I was only watching Vanderpump Rules and like kind of fell off of like my housewives stuff. So I'm getting mm-hmm. back into housewives and like catching up. But Beverly Hills, I know it had a few seasons where people were like, it's so bad now, blah, blah, blah. But I, I picked up again last year during like the Lucy Juicy Apple Goosey or whatever the dog's name was. Lucy, Drama. Lucy, Apple Juice, Lucy, which should Goosey, be Juicy. Apple Juice. That was yeah. a missed opportunity on behalf of Dorit's children. But yeah. But I was compelled. I love, I like Beverly Hills for just like the blatant displays of wealth. Feels mm-hmm. very much like it's, it's, an, it's another comforting like escapist mm-hmm. fantasy land. So it always feels good to me. Even if nothing's happened, it feels like good to be there. I think Beverly Hills is having one of the, which I know it might not be a high bar for them, but it is having one of the truly best seasons that they have had in a long period of time. Mm-hmm. It feels to me like almost a perfect season for Beverly Hills and the bubbling tension that exists between whatever the fuck is going on with Kyle and everyone else and Kyle and Garcelle is like mana from heaven for me. Them, mm-hmm. The fact that Aaron was like truly raising his voice or whatever, but that scene, these last couple episodes, their seeming work on camera to sabotage co-stars and then react in this wonderful, lovely, passive aggressive way of like, what are you talking about? We're just trying to help you. These situations aren't the same. I've been burying you for hours. Like, what's the problem? We should all be friends. It is truly almost like invigorating to watch. Yeah. It's that element of it. I think is kind of frustrating for me because I'm like, they're clearly gaslighting Denise. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they, they are. They are hundred percent gaslighting Denise. And it's really weird. And I also think like maybe, and I was talking like offline with a friend of mine who watches the show too, but they were saying like, they think Denise probably has some sort of legal thing going on with like custody with her and Charlie where that's why she doesn't want certain things brought up on camera. Remember the very first episode of Beverly Hills where she was like, yep, in New I York. need a lawyer. Yeah. Yep. And I think that that's playing out, but she can't really speak to that on the show. And that is such so a good point when she's saying, because at first I was like, okay, why is Denise being like kind of prudish now when like last season, she just really like let it fly. And then someone brought that up and I was like, wow, that's probably right. And then these women are just like, Kyle is just non-fucking-stop. And she's just Mm -hmm. so... Kyle's insecurity is is very fascinating to watch because she's insecure about everything. Like, insecure, can't handle if someone has glam. Like, Mm -hmm. can't handle... Like, there was a scene where she was getting ready for a toasted dinner party and someone was like, oh, these candle holders, like, where are they from? And Kyle was like, Cartier. And she was like, they look kind of pedestrian. And Kyle was like, well, then get them out of here. And it's just like, you literally are, you can't handle any sort of feedback at all. What do you think about Kyle and Teddy together united? I think it probably feels good for Kyle to align herself with, like, a younger, hot, like, funny woman. I guess funny in the sense that they have a lot of fun and 
together. I find mm-hmm. Teddy this season to be like truly so annoying. Like I've never <laughs> been, I've never been annoyed or understood like the Teddy hate before this season where I was just like, I don't want to watch this woman. Like she's so boring and I just like can't take it. I have um, this segment on Andy's girls called Satchels of Gold. They're list- in honor of Her Holiness, Kellen mm-hmm. Clore and Ben Simone. Mm-hmm. They're listener and obviously Bravo viewer thoughts and feels about episodes, um, personalities, things that are happening and affecting housewives. And I have a satchel of gold from Alyssa in Montclair, New York. Isn't that New Jersey? Montclair somewhere um, who has some thoughts about Kyle and Because Alyssa sent this to me and I immediately was like, tell me your qualifications because you sound like a doctor. She's a psychotherapist who went to Columbia School of Social Work and then did a postgraduate training at Training Institute of Mental Health in Chelsea. So Alyssa knows what the fuck she's talking about. And she says, I'm loving this season and the new perspective we get of Kyle. I was thinking how we've only ever seen her within the dynamic of what Daniel Shaw would call traumatic narcissism both Kim and Lisa, both malignant narcissists. Shaw writes about narcissism as existing relationally where you have the narcissist always subjective and the other always objective can never be right, can never have their own perspective. This dynamic can also become codependent for the object, which I think Kyle is codependent. I don't like Teddy. I think she's so one-dimensional and humorless, but I strongly appreciate the function she's serving for Kyle. Teddy is not a traumatic narcissist, but they are codependent. And without the traumatic narcissist in her life, we see Kyle unravel. I was really shocked at the dearth of her ability to negotiate conflict, and I hadn't noticed that before. I'm thinking of the scene where she comes into Erica's clubhouse after Denise's dinner party, and Kyle walks in and pretends like nothing happened. She can't be self-reflective or contrite in this type of situation. It surprised me because I think she's been hiding behind Kim, behind Lisa, and I've identified with her within that dynamic and also have felt a lot of empathy for her. And now, without that, we're seeing so much more of her. Anyway, it's fascinating because I didn't love her the first few seasons, but she really grew on me. I think she's a very loving mom. There seems to be something she hides about her marriage, or maybe not so much as uh, hides but doesn't reveal. I don't know. I just don't always feel what she shows of her marriage is so genuine. And this current season keeps me wondering, who is Kyle? I love that read. What a, that is a true satchel of gold. MD like sass MD. <laughs> I fucking read that shit. And I was like, Alyssa, I swear to God, the Andy's girls community. It's fucking like, I said this on the last episode. It's, we really truly all have our master's degree in thoughts and feels, but Absolutely. wait a fucking break that shit down. I see Dead. It. Dead I for Alyssa. All. Dead for Alyssa PhD. I yeah. mean, like what more is there to say? That's a slam dunk, slam dunk of a read. Yeah. And makes total sense. I do. I see absolutely Kyle as spinning out with no one to spin under. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I, I, I always question, I heard from so many listeners, you know, maybe a couple episodes ago about Kyle and Teddy and the mean girls of it all. And they're just or withholding and that's who Kyle is like how dare she bully 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 and I'm thinking like I don't think that's actually her I do think there's an element of something going on 
that's related to production that's happening with her and Garcelle that I don't understand. I don't think we're getting the full picture there. And per- perhaps as the season goes on, more will come out on that. Right now, I'm a little confused. But I also don't think that Kyle is in and of herself the kind of like type A narcissist that you could say Lisa Vanderpump is that you could say maybe her sister is like or you know Kathy you know yeah there's something else there and I think that that kind of explains it and also the defense of Teddy is like that's not just because this enables them to have some sort of alliance on camera which sure for them adds potentially value and power but there's also something there that's like lives inside of Kyle you know where she would probably be this way with or without the show Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I do think that Kyle does have like mean girl tendencies, but at the mm-hmm. same time, without, without a narcissist to back her up, they fall mm-hmm. really quickly when called out. Mm-hmm. So like, and then that's when her inability to navigate any sort of confrontation really comes to light where it's like you have, I think that dinner where she and Denise were sitting across from each other in the restaurant, like arguing about glam. Mm-hmm. And then Kyle's like, well, not unless you're going to say something mean or something like that. And it's just like, you're a child. Like what is going on? Like you're so, it's just like so defensive and actually like very sensitive underneath it all. Yeah. I don't know what there is to say except that this season has been so, kind of illuminating and I was annoyed and concerned when Lisa quit which ruined the second half of the season um and some might say the first and Mm -hmm. um felt like oh my god they're keeping the cast together we're getting Garcelle we're getting quasi Sutton who I'm obsessed with and think regardless of whether or not she can show her kids a hundred percent needs to be full-time oh yeah understand why promote Sutton no she is magical magical but even with those two additions I was annoyed that the central cast was remaining intact and I think I genuinely was wrong in assuming it would mean that the season like the second half of last season would flounder I think in fact for whatever reason it's come together in a really interesting way because there does seem to be genuine tension amongst these women and with Beverly Hills like a huge success is sometimes like a medium boil Mm -hmm. because the way that they communicate with each other does seem to be so specific to like my outsider idea of Beverly Hills, you know, where it's like typically medium level voices, but that's their version of like showing extreme rage. And it's been really fascinating to me, to me to see this season, especially because all of these women have seemingly decided that, sort of similar to what happened with LVP like let's isolate one person and unite against her and I think they think that they have the audience in their back pocket because we've watched their journeys for so much longer than we have Denise and yet what I'm seeing overwhelmingly is the reaction of the audience saying like team Denise first and foremost and I wonder how if at all that may inform the reunion assuming that Denise herself shows up did, is Denise like off the show now for good or did? So I can't figure it out. I thought that there was some piece. Maybe it was like one of her co-stars shading her and saying like, will she actually show up for the reunion? She seemingly 
shot confessionals after the majority of the shit went down, mm-hmm. I think because she was contractually obligated. It's why we've only seen her in one of two confessional looks versus everybody else's like seven to nine. Um, my guess is, is that she will show up. I don't know what this means for her next season, but I would think that she's also kind of like waiting to see what actually does play out in the ed- episodes once they're edited and up. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know that there's an answer for that. I don't know that she's, de- I don't know that if she, I don't know that she's definitively left the show, but I'm sure she and her representation are having like very strong, stern uh, conversations with production and the network. Mm-hmm. I need more Denise. Like I can't live in a world of Beverly Hills without Denise. Her flavor is so good, so down to earth, but also this like fucking craziness that's gone down with Aaron. Oh my fucking God. What did you think of his behavior? I, he freaked the fuck out of me. I don't, I'm like really weirded out by him. And I always have mm-hmm. been cause he kind of has like a dead eyed evil stare to him. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, oh, maybe that maybe I just don't understand him. And like, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And maybe he's like a good dad, like a good stepdad and like husband. Mm-hmm. But the way that he was speaking to those women, I was like, good men don't speak to women like that. And I understood his frustration and anger. And if I was the stepdad of those kids and and understanding what these women were doing to my wife I would be very very angry but the way that he directed that anger at them for somebody whose professional career is focused on like wellness and energy was not great I mean I know everybody's focusing on the hand thing when he said like oh what did he say like oh that wasn't the problem to me that was obviously not good but the problem to me was the fact that he couldn't seem to contain his rage. Yeah, it was like lots of rage great. bubbling underneath the surface, which I b- do think that a lot of people in that like wellness and health sphere mm-hmm. probably have the same thing because I think a lot of the time people that are su- and all and energy healers mm-hmm. are only able to kind of focus on the light or the positive and mm-hmm. like actively try to stay away from like the darkness when mm-hmm. I think, and I mean, I feel like confident saying this because I've like saw, had a, like interacted with a lot of energy healers and like, mm. d- like shamans and stuff like that. But mm. I think the most important thing in any of that realm is that you have to be willing to go to all your dark places and like confront them and, work with that and so that's why I'm just like I don't buy what he's selling and also I mean I do want a satchel his satchel of crystal like I, I want 100% do. I, I I'm like not open it give I'll me that yeah bed. I'll <laughs> sleep it under my pillow whatever you tell me just give me the crystal in the satchel but when he went into like 5g I was like whoa I mean, he lost me at 5g but had me at the cr- crystal satchel but maybe you know maybe aaron's watching this episode and reflecting on his actions and like yes yeah i want to give him the benefit of the doubt i don't like that denise is like lying about her daughter's reaction to the like threesome discussion i don't get why i don't get that 
maybe she didn't know that that but it's like why lie about something when you filmed something else wait why do you think that she lied well she's saying like sammy came to me and was like so embarrassed but sammy is didn't that a lot i mean sammy didn't say hey mom while there's a camera crew here let's let's initially you know bring up what you and your friend said when we were shooting that like cookout thing but her child did hear what it is that they were saying and if denise in yes so maybe expressing that she was embarrassed maybe there's something that denise could infer from that and also it's entirely possible that as an actual mom in irl they did have some sort of conversation immediately after yeah all we saw was the scene that got picked up for tv um and also i'm speaking as a a childless woman so i'm really coming from a very limited perspective on this whole thing i have shoes does that not (laughs) count i have full custody of several different stilettos i've named them no i haven't i'll do that next month when we're stuck inside um my God, I could talk to you about all things Bravo forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. I have to thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for having me. This was so this, great. I love like a really deep dive and getting like really serious. Yeah. So this was a I mean, really welcome discussion. Great way to <laughs> spend a you. Friday. <laughs> I mean, God bless if every day could be this hopefully intelligent and smart we would be all the better for it um can you please tell ags how to listen to the show that they already uh follow because they're obsessed with you yes you can listen to my podcast sexy unique podcast everywhere that podcasts are available spotify apple etc you can listen to saving sex in the city three also everywhere podcasts are available and you can follow me at lars marie across all social media Amazed. This was a joy. Um, you need to come back ASAP. I'll call you in an hour. Anytime. Yeah, anytime. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Wasn't that great? I'm like obsessed with her. Um, and she needs to come back on ASAP because we need to get sexy and unique about uh New York, Beverly Hills, and other related Bravo Michigas. So here is my Stasi story. And thanks to all of you who donated to BLM organizations and causes. This is why I'm telling this tale now. All right. So as you guys know, because I did at least one special episode about it, I was so grateful and honored to be able to attend BravoCon in November. Oh my God, I'm like nervous. And it was an amazing weekend. I cannot tell you, the network did such a phenomenal job with one little exception. You know, as we go through all this stuff, um, conversations about Black Lives Matter, the crowd was very, very white, which is something maybe I don't know what to say about that, except, you know, when it comes to diversity and some of these special events, we maybe need to... um, figure out ways in which to get the actual audiences that are present a little bit more diverse, um, especially since, you know, we had so many diverse faces on stage at various panels. But anyway, phenomenal event. You know, I regret the fact that I wasn't at um, Dorinda's um, uh, workout with Andy because I went to the OC panel, which was like not great. Um, But aside from that, it was just like such an awesome event you ask anybody we were all like flying high the whole time it was amazing participating in one of the panels as a judge for the um 
like housewives costume thing which ended up being bravo trivia was such an honor and the network did such a great job so one of the events that we went to was that i went to was this pump rules after party and it was in the main hall of these series of um, special event spaces that the network used throughout BravoCon. And I wasn't sure quite what to expect, but we walked in and it ended up being like a dance hall. And so it was like this crazy dance hall. And then there was this little sectioned off area that had a couple levels where presumably the cast would gather. And that's exactly what happened. And I think the conception for this was like James would DJ, Sheena would perform, Lisa would say a couple words and um, people would like dance and have fun. But of course, you put a thousand or however many Bravoholics in a room and notice that there's a sectioned off space where talent is going to be. Nobody's going to give a shit about the dancing and the moving around. They're all going to gather closer to this like pen-esque area and beg and plead for photos. So, you know, a little while after I got kind of stuck in this crowd with some of my beloved Bravoholic BFFs and... Um, you know, we were fortunate enough to end up getting in the VIP area where I danced and whatever next to Lala for several hours. It was, a, it ended up being a wild night. But there was one moment that stayed with me and kind of ever so slightly popped the balloon in my BravoCon experience, which was this. So when the cast initially came out everyone was so it was like literally waves of people were all clamoring for photos and um a high and just some sort of connection with the bravo lebs and i'm sure they were understandably a little stressed about that because it was so many people and so what you saw throughout the night were you know like people that you would kind of expect to do this like ariana spent the entire night because i was next to her um taking selfies so because she couldn't she was at a level uh, above the crowd um she would take somebody's phone and take a picture of herself and pass it over to someone since she was too high to like get an actual selfie pic and it was wild to go from being one of the people in the crowd to one of the people with the cast because there was a lot of like discomfort <laughs> I felt in going from like being with my peeps to being in a place where people were asking me to get um, the attention of some of these Bravo Lebs. And I was incredibly uh, appreciative for this like crazy experience. Um, but understandably, the night for the majority of the Bravo Hulks um, who attended was really focused on having that moment. So you have someone like Ariana who was literally like literally not figuratively bending over backwards, literally over a rail um, to get phones from people to take photos. There is that kind of Bravo, uh, Bravo Lab, which is let's just say rare. And then there's a never another kind of Bravo Lab. So toward the beginning of the night, before I got um, access to the VIP area, um, thanks to the network's generosity, um, I um, was in this crowd. And so like the major players came out, Stassi, Katie, Jax, Brittany, and they looked slightly befuddled because it was just like a lot of people on them. And that's completely super understandable. But this part I did not like. So I am, um, I don't know, 
two feet from Stasi. I don't know how far away I was, just kind of right there. And people are asking for photos and there are Bravo Lebs who are being so lovely and understanding the fact that these are like, this is like the craziest of fan bases. These are the diehards who spent how much money coming to New York to enjoy an experience like no other that had never existed prior IRL. So a photo meant a fucking lot. And P.S. it was like, I think the Pump Rules party was an add-on. So you had to pay extra to be there. So with that in mind, you had the Ariana's, you had the Raquel's, you had the people from Summer House who were like thrilled to fucking bits to be there. All of whom were very generous with like making sure that they could provide an experience and frankly a selfie can change your life I'm sorry a selfie with a bravo lab who you've loved for years there's nothing like it it's amazing I love it I know however many bravo holics love it it's great it's it's like the best kind of present to get I think it's a it's a really fun memento so Stassi and Katie come out I'd never met Stassi before I'd met other Bravo Leb specific from the VPR franchise before. I've interviewed Lala and Ariana, both of whom could not have been nicer. Um, I met Raquel and James and Billy Lee and I guess Peter, if you want to be generous and call him a member of the cast at um, See You Next Tuesday at Sir in LA when I went a year, two years ago, a year and a half ago. And so I've had nothing but positive experiences with the VPR cast. So Stassi and Katie come out. I'm right there. I've got my fucking phone open. This is before I got entrance where there I ended up dancing with Lala for several hours. Like it, it was, you know, at that point I was with my fellow Bravoholics, excited, anxious, nervous to get that photo or that moment. Um, I'd never met Stassi before. And I am like right there. So you're on the same level, physical level in this weird pen area, um, like just literally looking at Stassi. And here we go. Stassi looks at Katie and looks at her and says, just don't look at them directly in the eye. And I got to tell you guys, this was at the close to the beginning of the night. It felt like the lights were turned on in that moment where I just felt like, oh, I feel gross. I feel like I'm participating in a gross expedition where this person we've anointed to this like great platform and she just is kind of thinking of us as like animals in a pen. And true, there was a literal pen, but it just felt incredibly dismissive and kind of disrespectful to these people who have essentially gotten you to this career. Um, And the success that you've had comes from Bravoholic support, comes from their work, obviously, by participating in this uh, reality show. But it's also in many ways exactly related to all of these people that you're now directing your co-star to ignore. I attended this event with some of my Bravoholic BFFs. Shout out to my ladies at Bravo Betch and a couple um, writer friends who were covering the event for various media outlets and told them what happened. And they were like, oh my God, can we include this? And I said, absolutely not, because I just felt 
gross about it in the moment. And I also didn't want to detract from the event itself, which was done so beautifully. And frankly, like Stasi's remark wasn't the fault of the network or the production team who'd put the event together. It just kind of honestly, like genuinely, it kind of broke my heart. And for the rest of the night, so then we get into VIP and I'm like, oh my God, I should be so excited. I'm looking at people who are looking at me like you should be so excited. I tried being very excited. There are photos of me <laughs> in the background just full on recording Lala with my phone on flash, which spoiler alert, um, looks crazy in tabloid photos. Um, but I, 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 I forced myself to try to have a good night, but I never quite was able to let that go. Here's one little PS to that story. Naturally, when I was, I assume, inside the pen, I forced Stasi to take a photo with me because I knew that she knew that she absolutely didn't want to be there or do any of this. And I'm sure that they were tired. I'm sure it had been a long day of press and activities and talking to a lot of people. But you know what? This is also a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for hundreds, if not thousands, of attendees. And I don't know. Maybe suck it up and deal for a second. I don't know. It's hard to look at Stasi and put her at the same level as Ariana, who is understandably an angel sent from heaven above, um, but understands it and gets it. Like Ariana and Sandoval get it. I don't know Katie. I've never actually um, met her. Have I met Schwartz? I've met Schwartz before in LA. Um, I think Schwartz gets it. I know Schwartz gets it too. There was a moment where Kristen came over to us and we were like, can we have a photo? And she said, she's like, yes, of course. Um, Schwartz did that too, by the way. And she was like, yes, of course, you know, I'm not Queen Elizabeth. You guys should know I'm just a normal person, which we definitely know now, um, but couldn't have been lovelier to us in that moment. And I even like forced LVP to take a photo, which I was, I think, did I make Ken take it? I think I did. She declined the first time. And then I was like, she, or she was like, give me 10 minutes. And then literally 10 minutes later on the dot, I was like, okay, Lisa, time for the pick. And she is not thrilled about it. And I look insane, but that'll come to Instagram shortly. But anyway, so I ended up making Stassi take a photo with me. And like the resignation on her face when she was like, fine, was pure. And so I just felt like a fucking moron, but I wanted my fucking photo. Like, go fuck yourself. I'm here where's my, this is my little like social media timestamp of this wild and crazy night. So I took a photo with her. You can see the joy or lack thereof in her eyes. That's going to be the episode photo for this, uh, the Instagram photo for this episode. So enjoy that. I'm putting it up on IG, which I don't think I have done before. No, I don't think I have. Um, but anyway, it was just like a little bit of like a knife to the heart where I just felt like, okay, she just, for whatever reason, and she doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt, frankly, but for whatever reason, she wasn't looking at fans or whatever as people, but as beings she was trying to escape. And it wasn't a great moment. And with everything that's come out about her, I just felt like, why am I keeping this in any longer? It was a very strange moment in the midst of like the perfect weekend. Um, and so when all this stuff has come out about Stasi, I just kept thinking about that moment because it felt to me like a potential indicator in how she maybe views herself in this world. Um, 
Yeah, it was a wild moment and it felt like a little bit of a peek into her soul. Um, and so guys, because you were so generous <laughs> donating to BLM works, this is the very first time I've talked about it, certainly on Andy's Girls, and the first time I've kind of like said it out loud, aside from this core group of folks that I was with that night, um, who were either witness to it or who I told immediately after. Um, and that's my Stasi experience. I haven't met her. I didn't meet her prior to that night. I haven't met her or interacted with her since. Um, I actually don't think I've ever even asked her to be on Andy's Girls. Um, maybe there's a reason. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my Stasi tale. My Stasi tale of woe. It was not the best time of my life, that interaction with her. Um, yeah. And so with all of this stuff going on, it's hard not to think about that night and that moment and just the feeling of being seen as such an other. Um, but anyway, that's my story. Um, so thank you to you guys for peer pressuring me <laughs> into telling it um, by your generosity and your support of all things BLM. Um, so guys... Listen, what a sassy episode of AG. I'm so excited to put up the Patreon episodes. So look for those. Um, and guys, I'm excited for like the next couple weeks of eps because I feel like there is a lot going on, a lot that needs to be said and a lot happening on TV and off. My God, this Kyle and Garcelle thing is like four hours in and of itself. So anyway, love you guys. Thank you again for your generosity. I'm going to put some more BLM resources in the show notes for this episode. Um, thank you to the absolute queen goddess. Um, and make sure to listen to Sexy Unique Podcast. And um, I hope you enjoy this like fun little sassy conversation. Um, Lord knows there is going to be much more of it to come. All right, guys, stay safe and healthy. Kelly Dodd, get the fuck out of my city. You are not allowed. Um, apparently you are, but we don't care. And um, I can't wait to sass with you guys again soon. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs>